and welcome back to Discussing Who. This is episode number 101. Whether you're a longtime listener or you're new to the show, we're glad that you've joined us. We also want to remind our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, visit youtube.discussingwho.com and subscribe today. Not only will you receive additional content, of course, but you'll also have our complete thanks throughout all of, guess what, space and time. So, welcome back. It's the three of us. We're together again, and let's go around, why don't we, and give our introductions. And while we're doing this, why don't we shake things up a bit? And since this is episode 101 and, you know, we're over 100 now, why don't we, instead of talking about at the end what we're doing, let's just go ahead and talk about anything we're working on at the very beginning. So kind of shake it up a little bit. Hmm. So why don't we start with Clarence Brown? How goes the day? Doing pretty well. A bit of a sore throat. Um, not a jab at this episode, but I do have a sore throat. So, <laughs> but but I'm doing okay. I can't complain too much. What about yourself, sir? I can't complain at all myself. I think uh, maybe the cold weather that we're getting. I mean, you walk out now in Mississippi, and on Saturday it was 80, and today it's 50. So, might be why yeah. you're having the sore throat. Which is really weird because February uh, seems like it was warmer than this month, which, you know, there you go. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly weather weather, right? Yeah, but uh, what I'm working on, I'll just point people to DiscussingTrek.com to check out all our episodes there if you're interested in Star Trek. So, yeah. Cobains, Cobains. Well, it would not be discussing who without saying hello to the other part of our console crew. That would be Mr. Lee Shackelford. Lee, how goes it? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. I'm in uh, North Carolina where um, the schools are on two-hour delay tomorrow for the cold weather. Ah. It's March. Yeah, it's March twentieth. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, so yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I guess we're all kind of scrambling to figure out what the how, how to dress, you know, how to <laughs> it's just, put those t-shirts back up. Sir. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly apparently yeah. so. I mean, well, I was hope, yeah, I was hoping things were better in Mississippi, but apparently not. No, so what is the weather there? I mean, is it what? What's your temps? Um, it's very moderate. It's one of the things I, I like best about it. But, um, uh, my mom lives in Alabama and, uh, and uh, she and I have this joke that I, I always get her weather the next day and 10 degrees cooler. Uh, so, gotcha. <laughs> you know, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of weather, and I'm sure the weather is a little bit different across the great pond. And why am I talking about the great pond? Well, of course, we're talking about Dr. Who. But I want oh. to kind of give a shout out to two gentlemen who sent in some congratulatory remarks on audio that you can find at our Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com backslash discussing who and who are those two uh, gentlemen? Well, none other than Dave Cooper and Ian Bissett. Ian Bissett, of course, is in Florida, but Dave is in the UK and they're both of the Cultum Collective podcast. So Ian, Dave, on behalf of all three of us, thank you for the kind words and the detail that you guys had to go to uh, to get uh, all the episode titles and the episode numbers. So thank you and kudos to you guys. 
Well, while we're sending out greetings across the ocean, I'd like to uh, say howdy to my new, uh, uh, my one of my new friends uh, over there. His name is Ryan Farwell. He could say Farrell, you know, how the, how the English are with names. Um, but uh, he's a a a new relativity patron, bless his heart. And uh, just today, I've been indebted to him because I was telling him that my wife and I are going to England in May. And he very hopefully reminded me about the royal wedding. Uh, we were actually planning ah. to be, yeah, we were actually planning to be there at the time when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are tying the knot, which means the, <laughs> the place is going to be an absolute zoo. And I hadn't thought about that at all. So thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's almost like, you know, um, there's going to be a zoo there, but it seems like it'll be a certain excitement in the air. There certainly will. Yeah. yeah so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad well, thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, it probably just means that, that transportation is going to be a challenge. But um, yeah. anyway, but yeah, of course, of all things, we're going to be there at the same time. But uh, yeah. Um, so, anyway, so how long but, are yeah. you going to be over there? We're going to be over there for two weeks. We're going to be in England for a week and then in uh, the Czech Republic for a week. Oh, oh wow. So, yeah. Huh. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's really odd. I can't, I can't really put my finger on why, but I, but a lot of my heroes, uh, are people who are, are Czech. Um, I've just, uh, well, Carl Chapik for, for, <laughs> for starters who, who wrote the play RUR. And, you know, my adaptation of RUR is, as near as I can tell, the most widely produced um, English language adaptation of RUR. And um, it gives us the word robot. That's where the word robot comes from. Oh, really? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And, and he was from Prague, and um, his remains are there. And, um, you know, I, he's been such a part of my life. I I feel like I've got to go lay some flowers on a man's grave, you know? Um, but Václav Havel, the, the great uh, the great playwright, uh, obviously one of my heroes. And, oh, um, Franz Kafka. Antonin Dvorak, my favorite uh, classical composer, all all Czech. So you know, there we go. So so, how will you be traveling from uh, the UK to Czech Czechia? We are going to to take a plane. Um, I really the, the the earlier version of this was we were going to take uh, trains because you know in Europe you can take a train from anywhere to anywhere else. Yeah. And uh, but it it would have taken a long. It, it would have taken two days out of our trip, and we would have spent those on the trains, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. And I just, <laughs> you know, I just you just don't know. No, we're we're going because my wife Karen is presenting a paper at the International Communication Association's uh, conference, and it's in Prague this year. So uh, wow, so that's why we get to go. What fun! And, uh, yeah, <laughs> kidding. It's um, yeah, you know, it, Prague is an ancient city. It's it's. Uh, they say you go to you go to uh, Paris for the shopping, and I don't know, uh, pick your favorite <laughs> European city for this. But you go to Prague to see the architecture. Ah, so anyway, and I'm excited, but yeah, cool. That you know that kind of puts a damper on the fact, Clarence. You and I just went to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well. Across yeah, but fine, Florida. Take your you pick. Know, whatever. <laughs> but we did get to see John Berriman and, and a TARDIS. I was gonna say, you you <laughs> you've been in the presence of uh, of Captain Jack, so so there you go. Any other things before I because I do have some news that I want to comment on. So any, anything else that you guys have? Well, it may not it may not look like it or sound like it to fans of relativity, but we really are working on the next season. 
Um, right, our problem is getting, <laughs> I expanded the cast and now it's, now it's hard <laughs> to get everybody together. So wrangling um, the cast. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so now it's become cast wrangling, but, uh, <laughs> but once, once I have the voice tracks, then uh, it should be a fairly simple matter. Haha. To start, uh, <laughs> to start mixing these. So Clarence, I know has read the script, so he knows how complex some of these are likely to be. Oh yeah. Many voices. So, <laughs> many so voices. if you don't mind me asking, and I hope and I don't think this is, and I hope, and I don't think this is giving anything away. But when you record your scenes, does one actor do all of his or her scenes by him or herself? Or do you do it like we're doing? We're having this Skype call together right now. So how how is the method of your recording? Well, the conceit of the show has always been that it's a long conversation between two characters. And so in the past, um, Elena, Elena Jordan and I have always uh, recorded them as a conversation. So we do it more or less in real time and we record them in batches of 10. So, so it's, you know, it's two hours of us on, on the internet, um, acting and it's exhausting, but it's, uh, it's also thrilling, uh, but this time around, I just don't, there's no way we're going to be able to get all four of us online at the same time. So um, like, uh, Clarence is going to have some scenes that he's supposed to be playing with her. We'll probably record those with him acting off of me. So, ah. so I'll be playing Sophia while he's doing that. And then through the magic of editing, ah, da, da, da. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we'll put cool. it all together and it will, it will actually sound like, yeah, but it, you know, and it's how TV shows are made, right? Um, when you see the camera on an actor and they're looking, you know, off camera and they're talking to somebody, that person they're talking to is almost never there. True. Wow. Well, think about, you know, um, so you have the same character. Look at Orphan Black and you had that one character playing all those different oh, yeah. versions of herself. So there, therein right. yeah. goes exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, one of the things that fascinates me most with, I guess, television in general, or it, it might be more so for movies, but you always hear this thing about, I guess they're called pickup shots to where mm-hmm. everything is done, but they have to film some more at the very end. After the actors went off and done other things, they call them back in to do pickup shots. I, I find it so fascinating that they have to uh, jerk themselves back into this mode and mentality of this character that they've kind of left behind for the moment. Yeah. And, and we're, or, or skip ahead to something that you haven't even uh, done yet. Um, uh, this, this is getting into the episode that we're talking about, but I just, I just learned tonight that, um, those scenes of, uh, the doctor and, uh, Margaret at the restaurant in, uh, Boomtown, they were filmed while, uh, they were shooting the stuff with the, uh, Captain Jack and Rose being taken into his uh, ship in, uh, the empty child. Mm -hmm. Wow. Huh. So, you know, you, you just have to have your head in a different place. <laughs> well, I mean, and anyway. just take that notion just a little bit further. I think of the big, big scale productions like Game of Thrones. There are so many moving parts and people in different parts of the world filming simultaneously. It's just really cool how this, everything is put together in the end to make a make a television show. Agreed. And to be coherent, you know, and yeah. and keep it, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's here's where I want to go kind of next, which is it's definitely back to Doctor Who, but to Christopher Eccleston himself for a moment. And, you know, we've pretty much talked for years about, you know, he had his one season. 
and he's bounced back and forth between being semi-positive about Doctor Who to being negative, and he doesn't do appearances, and all of left, right, and center. Well, recently, in the last week or so, he's evidently had an interview, either a radio interview, or I know this was featured in the Radio Times. So I want to read an excerpt to you guys and then get your thoughts. So basically, to kind of set up, he's talking about why he left Doctor Who, and this is what it says. My relationship with my three immediate super superiors, excuse me, the showrunner, the producer, and the co-producer broke down irreparably during the first block of filming, and it never recovered, Eccleston said. They lost trust in me, and I lost faith and trust and belief in them. Eccleston claims that he felt out of place playing a lighter role and believes he may have contributed to some of the onset uh, difficulties. He goes on to say, some of my anger about the situation came from my own insecurity. They employed somebody as the doctor who was not a natural like comedian. Billy Piper, who we know was and is brilliant, was very, very, very nervous and very, very inexperienced. So you had that and then you had me. Very, very experienced, possibly the most experienced on it, but out of my comfort zone. Wow. So, Clarence, wow. you you were the first one to make a, <laughs> a, a, a response. Where does that wow come from? What are you thinking? So, well, the thing I think about immediately, we said he's very, very experienced. So what had Eggleston been working on prior to uh, being on Doctor Who? Was he already, and this is just my ignorance, was he already a well-known movie slash theater actor in the UK at the time? I kind of figured he was, but do we know deets on that? I believe so. I believe he was an accomplished and, you know, highly trained uh, uh, stage actor. I'm I'm looking up his IMDb right now. It's funny that I've never thought about it before. Yeah. Um, So while you're looking that up, let me make a comment. Just from reading what he wrote, I'm I'm thinking you pompous ass, you. Oh, come on. I mean, I, I can see it, though. I mean, in it. Just think if you take any of the top movie stars of today and pair them with somebody who's just coming in, you know, I would hope that is less about him trying to be a diva or being a diva and more about him just not into sync with the flow they were going through for the show. Again, you have a relatively new actor in um, Billy Piper and Kind of, kind of bad what he said about her in this, but it's kind of true. She was very inexperienced at the time. True. And I can, I can definitely see two extreme ends of the spectrum causing issues in production. Yeah, I can too. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I want to be forgiving. I really do. I, I mean, I, I so, so do it, but it was just that last sentence where he says <laughs> so you had that and then you had me very very experienced possibly the most experienced on it but out of my comfort zone so that that talking about his any my thing was he is, telling the truth yeah i've looked him up now finally it's like i say it's funny i've never thought about this before but yeah he had been on film and television for 15 years yeah um mm-hmm. yeah when, when he started yeah um billy piper would have been well, she was uh, a pop a star. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Well, was, that's it. I mean, yeah, it's not a fair comparison, but yeah, 
you know, but, but, uh, you know, and I, I see what Clarence is saying. She was inexperienced. She was really from, and, and, and no disrespect to her, but I've always assumed that she was cast as Rose in part because she was a teenage pop star. And, and, you know, maybe her mm-hmm. fans would come along and watch the show because of her. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I've always thought that too, but she's also terrific. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. yes. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I do hear what he's saying though. It, it sounds like really for the first time he's saying, you know what? This is supposed to be kind of a comic role or they didn't need to have light touches. And that's not something I'm good at. I, I, I think I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him out here, but, <laughs> but it sounds to me like that's what he's saying. And he's saying that came really naturally to Billy Piper. It came really naturally to the showrunners and everything. And that just wasn't my thing. And I don't think I, I mean, he, he, he does say in, in that, uh, that little interview that he felt like he may have contributed to the, uh, the bad feelings. Yeah. The difficulties. But, but on the other hand, you know, if you've been around to enough Doctor Who conventions, you've talked with people who have worked with him, and they lay it all on him. They just say he's just hard to work with. Yeah. Um, Simon Pegg called him Doctor Grumpy Pants. Oh wow. And Camilla Corduri, she may have. Did she say this at the Hulanda? She, she was saying it. She she got to kiss one of them and she got to slap the other one. Yes. And she said, and it was and it was the ones I would have wanted. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, well. Well, here's my this thing. This is a fortunate choice of words here that he used. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, which? I think he was trying to be nice, but just didn't come across. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Clarence. What were you saying? No, no, well, I was just going to make another analogy, but go ahead with your point. No, 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 that was my point. <laughs> yeah, well, well, okay. Well, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, to take it to a sports, um, analogy or whatever, um, some of you guys watch sports out there, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think of when when Kobe Bryant came into the Lakers and you had Shaq there there who had been there many years was a veteran top of his game and you had this guy out of high school didn't even go to college and similarly they butt heads to no end but you know as with this they somehow managed to make something beautiful even though maybe behind the scenes things weren't going uh, as planned exactly. So I don't know. Um, just really, really hard reading these words. But, you know, it's funny because he's it seems like he's steadily he's steadily reflecting on on these things. And I mean, at this point, is there anything new that can be garnered from anything he says about this? I mean, what, what do you guys think? Yeah. And this isn't even the interview that I thought you were going to read from the 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 one where he uh, he said to the Guardian that they were talking about doing uh, G.I. Joe and Thor. That um, he he felt like a whore. Oh he, wow! Because he only did them for the money, and he said working on GI Joe. The quote is, "I just wanted to cut my throat every day." And oh, Thor God. just stuck gun in your mouth. I didn't realize he was on GI Joe. He was good in Thor he's, too. Though. Yeah, he's Destro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, sounds like he's just a grumpy elitist one uh, percent actor. <laughs> I don't well, know. There you go. So, so, so you're yeah, so, so you're you're coming to my way of thinking of saying <laughs> you pompous ass. Well, yeah. Wow. I don't know if I go that far, but wow. <laughs> well, well. Here, here, here's my thing, and I've always tried to remember, you know, and, and sometimes this is easier said than done, but. Someone who's good at something does not have to tell people how good they are. And someone who is not good and has to constantly tell is not quite so good. That's just my opinion. 
So when he says how very experienced he is and possibly the most experienced, that if he could have left that line <laughs> out, that would have changed the context to me. If he would have just said, so you had that and then you had me, but out of my comfort zone, that would have totally changed. But when he starts talking about how inexperienced she was, but how experienced he was, that just came off as arrogant to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you, you got to think that we're reading into it a little bit, too. He didn't say how great I am and how magnificent I am on screen. He just said experienced. And that's two totally yeah, different things. That's to a good point taken. Point taken. Yeah, it is, yeah. Point taken. But to to spin it on a positive, for someone mm-hmm. who says that they were out of their comfort zone doing the lighthearted and comedic moments, he nailed it as the ninth doctor. Yes. yes. Because some of those right. going from really, really dark to that that grin and that that, you know, happy go lucky doctor and some of the jokes that he made, he nailed it. So regardless of the person the character that he created, very good work. So that's true. Some of his funniest stuff, I think, is actually in the episode we're talking about tonight. So exactly. So why <laughs> yeah. don't we get into the episode we're talking about tonight? Let's do it. All right, How's cool. that for a segue? Yeah. Yeah, perfect segue. <laughs> so for yeah. any of you who have not seen Boomtown, you know what time it is. Put us on pause. Go out, watch it, however you choose to watch it, whether you've bought it, whether you've downloaded it, whether you're streaming it on whatever service you can stream it on. Go watch it, because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 So the episode Boomtown, it originally aired in the UK on the 4th of June, 2005. It was written by Russell T. Davies, directed by Joe Ahern, and produced by Phil Collinson. This episode marks the last appearance in Doctor Who proper of the Slitheen. Total and final UK ratings for this episode were 7.68 million. However, and this is curious here, in contrast... The Doctor Falls, the 10th series finale, the final ratings for it was only 5.29, as again compared to 7.68. So curious, Clarence, how do you see these numbers? Any thoughts about them? 7.68, 5.29, this episode versus The Doctor Falls? I think you have to look more at the the dates, 2005 versus 2018. And I don't know exactly how the rating is done. Do they count digital downloads in their um, calculation? I think that could be a large part of why the numbers are so vastly different. Okay, cool. Uh, Leave what say ye? Um, I, I think I missed a, an important point there. Were the, are you saying that these numbers were significantly different from in previous episode? Yeah, well, I compared 7.68 for the episode Boomtown but then I compared it to the Doctor Falls, which of course was the tenth series finale, mm. and it was only five point twenty nine. Yeah. Oh, I think we're in a different a different landscape of of content delivery these days. I mean, just just since two thousand six, we've you know the the ways that people can see different things has you know bifurcated and split in so many yeah. different ways. Yeah, it's it's no longer fair to compare them. Uh, um, yeah. 
so no, I'm, you know, I, I'm fans of, you know, I'm a big fan of TV shows, you know, from the sixties and seventies and some of them got canceled because they were only pulling in 30 or 40 million viewers at every oh, episode, wow. you know, I mean, it, it's just half of those numbers now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, nobody is, you know, no, nothing is seen by those kinds of numbers. Yeah, no, no. The original Star Trek series. No, if it, if it was in today's landscape, no, it would have run for 12 years. <laughs> no, it's no. Uh, so, so let me ask this. And I'm glad you guys said that because that makes me wonder why people are so number obsessed when looking at recent numbers for Doctor Who. Both of you said what I ultimately hoped you were going to say and that, yes, the numbers and millions may have been higher, but the landscape and the culture that we're living in has changed and the way we consume. So I, I just wonder really quickly why people are so obsessed still over numbers and comparing to numbers years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand why everybody's uh, got to stay attuned to the numbers. If you're in production, if you're, you know, one of the, the people who is responsible for keeping the show on the air, but comparing it to a, a show that was in a different, you know, media delivery landscape, that's just, that's just not fair. It's apples and oranges, as they say, it doesn't, I'm not sure how you can tease out the meaningful information that you actually need to have there. It's agreed. Uh, so yeah, so comparing this to something in, in season ten is that's 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 absurd. Yeah, agreed. I, and I like that. So why don't we get into the story? <laughs> right. <laughs> I like Having that. You dispensed could, with that. Yeah, I like that one. That was good. So without going into the story details. What were your initial thoughts on this story? And either one of you, take it away. Well, I do, kind of went into this holding my nose because here we are with the Slitheine again. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching this again. I I wasn't prepared for that. I had forgotten this sort of showdown between uh, Mickey and Rose. Yeah. That yeah. I thought was just great. Um, and and more, more importantly, I had forgotten. Well, you you, you get um, the role doll square and the the millennium. You know, you you get all of that beautiful stuff in Cardiff. Um, I knew that, <laughs> but um, but I had forgotten that this is this is sort of a polemic piece. Uh, Russell T Davies is somebody who is very um, out and proud about being against um, capital punishment, against the death penalty, and this is his episode about that and. I somehow I had forgotten that about the, that this is actually a little story about a profound and important moral issue of our day. Uh, yeah. one of the, one of the things that sci-fi, you know, does best for us when it's done well. And, and here it is. I, so what, what about you guys? Did you, yeah, Clarence, what do you think? Yeah. Were you pleasantly surprised or? Yeah. I hadn't remembered it being this good. Uh, I don't, I still think I have huge reservations about the Slovene. Um, <laughs> They just, I just don't like them. But I have to say, you know, when we got into this more humanized moment, which you just spoke of at about midway through the episode of where, um, Blaine, I think is her name, uh, turned the tables on the doctor. And then all of a sudden there's this more dilemma that we have to struggle with for the duration of the episode. And and we actually get to see how the doctor handles that, which I thought was really good. In this, in addition to what Lee said about the um the Mickey Rose moments, which were just fantastic, 
And that's another point where we saw we got to see it turned on its head. So two things kind of turned on their head in, in this episode, which made it really, really good. What about you, Cal? Yeah, I I remembered and I didn't remember which one, but I remembered that there was one Sladine episode that was better than the others. And after seeing the other two, I knew there was only one more. So I, I wasn't dreading this 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 episode. So process yeah, of elimination, process of, of elimination. So I did actually, you know, not like dread it. I knew I didn't remember exactly what all went on in it, but I did remember that this was, you know, okay, this one has to be the one that's that's better. But what I found most interesting is, and I want to go back really, really quick to the doctor dances. Do either of you remember, and I think one of you mentioned it, and if you didn't, it was Nicole that mentioned it. But in our last episode, we made comment about the doctor saying something about Rose's bike as a 10-year-old, or Rose mentioning the bike or something. Do you guys recall that? Yeah. Yeah, she she was saying he's like Santa Claus. And he said, what do you mean like? Yeah, bicycle yeah. when you were 12 years old? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I took that as a throwaway line. And I'm speculating that while that did turn out to be a throwaway line, I'm wondering originally if it was meant to be, and I'll tell you why. Because doing research for this particular episode, I found out that the uh, Boomtown episode was not really the first story that was intended. There was a gentleman by the name of Paul Abbott who was supposed yes. to be writing a script, and the storyline that Abbott had uh, submitted would reveal that Rose had been bred by the doctor as an experiment in creating um. a perfect companion. Oh, my God. I'm glad they changed that. <laughs> so would this episode, had it aired, would it not have changed the fundamental nature of Doctor Who? Question. <clears throat> I'm trying to get back to that quote again myself um, because, yeah, it was not that she was that that she had started as an embryo or something, but that that he had been manipulating points in her life hmm. to try to bring her to the point where. When they finally met, she'd be ready to be his perfect companion. So it's not as creepy as, as the word bread might have suggested. But, but, so, yeah. But, but still, yeah, the idea of him deliberately tinkering with somebody's life like that is still creepy and awful. And, uh, yeah, it would. I, I think it, it would have broken the show. I, 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 don't, I really do. I think it would. It would totally. Uh, well, um, well, let's think of Clara. Was yeah. Clara not there uh, tinkering in the doctor's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But wasn't she just correcting what the intelligence had done? But that's it. I don't see her as having, she, she didn't instigate that. She, I feel like she ended up doing that. Yeah. I, mm. I, I hope that's a, <laughs> yeah, I hope that's a moral difference. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing there is, you know, we're talking about the fundamental changing of doctor who, we're 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 thinking right now i think in the context of this version the ninth doctor and rose but when you get into the 10th doctor if they had have done that i think the 10th doctor and rose should not have had if they had done that the same storyline they did where she falls in love with him because then if he's moved her into that then you've basically mm -hmm. said he yeah. manipulated this being huh? 
for no other reason than to fall in love with him. Oh man, this this is breaking my brain a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so I am so glad that they yeah. did not do that, and the name of that episode would have been called "The Void," and I'm glad it fell into the void because that but, would have been bad. <laughs> so, but 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 right. again, bye bye. Yeah, but let, let's let's think of Amy as well. Um, he didn't directly manipulate points of her life, but wasn't he a huge influence on her life? I don't, well, I don't know. It's, yeah, the Raggedy Man makes her who she is. Yeah, that's good point. Yeah, but but again, he didn't he didn't do that deliberately. <laughs> that's he he has he had no idea that that was going on. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So we we don't hold him accountable for that. Yeah, because he just went to the moon and and brought it right back, and it wasn't his fault. Twelve years or eight years had passed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what did pass was six months since the last time we saw the Slovene, and Clarence, I think you you and Lee both just mentioned Mickey, so I want to talk about Mickey for a second. Because we see Mickey returning and then immediately he's running like a, you know, wounded puppy or a sick puppy to Rose. And the first thing I wrote down was poor Mickey. That was my first note. Poor Mickey. What did you guys think of when you saw him immediately run back to Rose at that very beginning? Um, what did you guys think? And Clarence, I'll let you take that first. Hmm. Well, we see Mickey is still Ricky. The doctor still calls him Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, I don't know if I can blame him all that much. He's clearly, I'm not going to say in turmoil, but it's the second time. Well, not to say he, she keeps <laughs> yeah. coming back. I mean, she was gone that whole year. You know, he got into trouble with the law because they thought he was a kidnapper and she's gone again. And then I guess all of a sudden she's called him to bring her passport or something to him. So, so uh, Mickey has a huge dilemma and he obviously loves Rose, but yet Rose is, is out gallivanting the universe, the space and time. And, and he's left home and it's just, I, I feel his pain. I definitely feel his pain on this and I'm not really sure what he should do because <laughs> it's, it's kind of an impossible thing because he obviously does not want to go with the doctor at this point anyway. So just just a hard a hard role for Mickey, man. What do, yeah, what did you think, Lee? And then I'll say what I think. It, it's one of the things to to love about uh, the reboot of the series, really, that um, you can tell that RTD has had years of being a Doctor Who fan to think about this stuff. Because, you know, in the classic series, we didn't talk about people's family or who they left behind when they went off to travel with the doctor. It, it, it would have made things too complicated. And so they just go away and then they sometimes they go back and, you know, and that that's that. Um, but, you know, talking about their extended family or something like that is very rare in the classic series. And I, I can imagine RTD sort of growing up as a writer thinking, now, wait a minute, if you mm-hmm. if this was really happening, you know, what 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 if you were a guy whose whose girlfriend went off with the doctor? Wouldn't that be the worst thing that could possibly happen to you? You can't tell her not to go. I mean, what do you have to offer that that compares with that? Yeah, and when you, and, and if I but, may interject real quick, yeah. I don't mean to, but 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 when you say what he has to offer, you're yeah. you've got one guy who is taking her in a ship to anywhere and any when. And right. he's talking to her about, I've saved up some money for a hotel room. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. And and we all out in the audience, we all know. Well, that I know which one of those guys I would be. Damn. Yeah. You know, it's um and and it's it's not fair and I, and I love that RTD really wanted to to um to create this relationship, you know, right in the first episode so that this problem would unfold in the story. What 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 do you do? And Rose doesn't want to do this to Mickey either. Yeah. But there they are. It's happened and yeah. I mean, not only that, throw in Jack in this latest episode. And, yes. You know, it was, it was fine when we had the big ear doctor who right. she was going off with, but now we have the, the handsome young stud traveling oh, to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> and we can, we can see, you know, why Mickey would, would have reservations. And not only that, he doesn't even know the, the, the things that Rose has been getting into as far as, you know, finding other people who could be potential love interests. You know, yeah. this part of the story we see, but she he doesn't know. What, that she's she's flirting with every humanoid that she yeah. comes in contact with, literally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the thing with Mickey in this episode, because I knew it happened, and, and I thought it happened in Series 2, but obviously I think it happened in this episode, I think this is the episode where Mickey the idiot is replaced by Mickey Smith Mm. because this was the episode for me that I felt like there was a turning point for the character of Mickey to where, and I think it was when he, you know, you kind of got emotional and yelled back at her and, you know, even said, I'm dating someone else now. That was his moment of, I'm going to be my own person now. And I think from that point forward, we see that sniveling puppy that was uh, holding on to her ankles at the first episode of this series turn into what he becomes by the t- last time we see him in series four. Well, and I, I agree. And, and she she also blesses him, too, because there's a moment where he says, I'm not brave enough. And she says, what does she say? But it's basically, uh, oh, yeah, you are with a big smile. Um, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm like you. I can't uh, figure I, out what I, I can't. Re- I, can't I can't remember the exact quote. And uh, uh, but um, but yeah, she acknowledges. I mean, Mickey stood toe to toe with the Sladeen the last time he, you know, <laughs> with a yeah. baseball bat and a jar of pickles. I mean, yeah, um, he, <laughs> she, yeah, I mean, um <laughs> You know, she she's 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 not going to buy into the to his 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 story that he's he's not good enough. Good point. And, uh, you know, and it's it, that that's part of his transformation here is is sort of getting that approval from her. And she did not need her passport. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, like another thing I thought was so good about the Rose Mickey interaction in this episode, Kyle, you briefly mentioned it, but when when he. He uh, says that he's been dating one of the Delaney sisters, uh, <laughs> which I thought was was really great. But you see jealousy in Rose's eyes for for me the first time that I had seen all season, mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden, lo and behold, she was in Mickey's position. And it's just so funny what happens when it turned the table is turned, and we get this moment where she seems very distraught, but didn't last long uh we have a <laughs> another world changing event and mm-hmm. she's off and like you said cal a very very emotional moment from 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 mickey 
when she runs off. Yeah. Also, Cal, you being a Voyager fan, I want to ask you, did the Delaney sisters sound familiar to you? That did, and I didn't know why, but I, I think you're about to tell me. Yeah, I think it was one of the, the, the group of girls that Tom Paris was dating or called the Delaney sisters. So uh, I don't know if this is a direct reference, but Voyager certainly came first. So <laughs> Yeah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I mean, I just, I mean, anything, anything that you can connect to Voyager, I'm happily, you know, will be connected to. <laughs> So someone that I would think that I could not see Mickey dating in any shape, form or fashion is someone named Blonde Fell Futch, or as we know her, Margaret. <laughs> so she <laughs> is now the mayor of Cardiff and she's assumed the identity of mayor. Uh, she one of the, my favorite comments that she had was she after she meets the reporter, she talks about the that's asking her about accidents. And there was somebody that had slipped and, uh, she, you know, and she's asked about it. And she says it was an icy patch. Mm-hmm. And the reporter says he was decapitated. And she says it was a very icy patch. <laughs> there's there's a lot of that kind of humor in this in, in this yeah, episode. That, that, I, I did enjoy all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. My version of that was, um, let's see. Uh, uh, why can't you leave me alone? She asked the doctor. What did I ever do to you? Well, you tried to kill me and destroy this entire planet. Well, apart from that, <laughs> apart from that. So what did you guys think of that immediate follow up scene where she takes the reporter to the restroom, uh, you know, obviously to kill her and then has that change of heart? What did you guys think of that? That's where mm-hmm. I started getting interested in this episode. That's where I, I, I started reevaluating it and not just thinking of it as the third Slavine story. I just thought. Oh, I'd forgotten about this. She is, this is genuine remorse, isn't it? I think. Okay. Yeah. This is actually interesting. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my thing. Yeah. What, what I got, what I got from that whole sequence is more so what the reporter was spouting at Margaret. You know, uh, you get this whole notion of, um, once his chance, two is coincidence, uh, three is a pattern. And she is just laying out all the patterns to, to, uh, to Margaret. And, you know, if you want to, we always relate things back to the real world. Um, you know, we see a lot of patterns in a lot of things. I'm not going to call out anything specifically. Okay. But, um, you know, and that being said, a pattern is not a hundred percent indication of wrongdoing, but I thought it was interesting that the reporter brought this up and I certainly thought she was going to be a goner. Uh, <laughs> But again, like see Lee mentioned, we have this, you know, heartfelt moment when she realizes, huh, my family is gone. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing there is, you know, we were talking about, you know, she's the mayor. So she's kind of over the city. And this was to what uh, probably 2004, 2005. So technology is so much different than it is today. I mean, I could see Margaret sitting there tweeting. You know, that's what I was picturing. So, um, <laughs> well, let me ask this. I, I meant that mentioned this when I made the point about, you know, the pattern, the coincidence. Um, do we think this project had too many signs to still be allowed? You know, she mentions that we're not in London. We're in Cardiff. <laughs> But it's funny that this this project would still be allowed. It's very obviously a bad thing. So I don't know if you, it it definitely serves the story, but it does strain <laughs> credibility that somebody's going to build a nuclear power plant downtown. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, right. 
Yeah, that's right. There, there are zoning boards and so on. Yeah, but but she killed every one of them or ran well, over that's, them. Well, yeah, that's a good true. point. I think that true. that was that was what we're to understand is that uh, yeah, that nobody has stood in her way for long. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, so I think you're right, Clarence. I think you're a hundred percent right that yeah. they would have stopped it, but she stopped them because that's what yeah. she does. So I, I'm curious, um, you know. I, well, let me say this about that particular scene. I think that was where I started paying attention to this episode the first time I yeah. watched it. And it makes you remember as a, as a being, this, you know, from the planet that she's from, the, the alien. She is the only one of her species. So if she's in a group of people, she's the only one, whether she looks like a human in the skin or not. That's different from everybody else. And there's an isolation that comes yeah. with that. So you kind of have to almost feel, you know, feel something for her. I don't know if it's empathy, sympathy or what, but because she's the only one different from everybody else there, there yeah. is that isolation, even if she's trying to do good. Yeah. You mean mm. the Rex Acoria Fallivatorius? Very good. Well was done. Good? Was good? Yeah, was oh yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, very, one of my favorite good. points of the episode as well, too, when they kind of like said it a few times and Rose was celebrating. I said it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's me. I'm you, Rose, right there. <laughs> and we'll get that moment again at the end of um, uh, the Christmas invasion, too, where she <laughs> she's proud of herself for saying it again. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's the theme of the of the season, isn't it? Um, the last of their kind. Yep. Yeah. So what did you guys think of the setting? Did that look or some of the rooms look a lot like when they were in Downing Street the first time? Yes. I just assumed that's standard government issue um, UK buildings. Yeah, uh, that's that's how it read to me, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think whenever I watched it, I think I thought that. But now that I'm like watching them to dissect them to some degree. I think mm. I was looking at it from the, from the idea of you use the same set and just change the name. <laughs> yeah. You? Yeah. Because, because they certainly do that. So. And I will say this chase scene felt less Scooby-Doo and more real. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, though. I thought their logic of splitting up to corner her wasn't exactly a sound one, but I guess it worked out in the end. Yeah, I would have just no. found out where she was and then just been like, somebody stand outside <laughs> right. the window or something. Yeah. The the callback to um, um, uh, the end of the world with the, the doctor manipulating her transporter, I thought, was yes. gen genuinely funny. And yes, and, and a moment of cool triumph for him. It's like you can run. <laughs> he said, I can do this all day. Right? <laughs> so in the end of the world, did he, he didn't use the Sonic to do it, I don't believe. Seemed like he used something else, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually haven't seen that one in a while, um, and, and I know you guys did the review of it. But uh, yeah, Cassandra gets away, and then he just brings her right back again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, and I'm trying to remember. I, I, it may have been the Sonic, but I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So um, they mention Bad Wolf, and it was, you know, spelled in, um, what was it, Welch? Or, uh, Welsh, mm -hmm. yeah, Ladrug. Yes. So question for you guys. We see the doctor go into this conversation with Rose and it gets serious for a quick second. And then it's comedy again. And then it's like, oh, well, no, you know, it's nothing. Why do we think that is? Was that just a redirection or what was what was the purpose of that? Mm. 
You mean of the, the shift in mood? Or? Yeah, the shift in mood. You know, like, yeah, why I, even bring it up and then shift your mood? Yeah. It, th- th- this, this episode does that a lot, actually. It, it's kind of, a, kind of grinds its gears. But I, I think, um, I, I shouldn't say grinds its gears. It, it, it shifts a lot, and I think it does it very well. But sometimes it's really funny. And then it'll turn 180 degrees. Um, that whole conversation with Margaret at the restaurant, you know, is, um, their conversation is very serious, but there's also, but there's also the business about her shooting the dart at him, which yeah. he casually catches and things like that. And it's, um, so it, it, it can do both. I, I guess this moment is another one of those. Uh, yeah. What did you think, Clarence? Hmm. Yeah. I think it was definitely a setup for what we see at the end of the episode. Uh, and obviously what we'll see in the next two episodes. So, I mean, I guess I want to, briefly jump back to the news that we had or the the story we read, read from Eccleston. Okay. Um I've seen some classic. So did he come into this expecting it not to be comedic? Um are these stories from the past just totally devoid of any type of comedy? No, if he had seen the classic series he would know that the doctor is is frequently funny. Mm. Um, especially the the well, I started to say the two doctors before him. I'll say six and seven. You know, they, um, yeah, Sylvester's funny. So, I, well, look at I look, don't at, know. look at Tom Baker. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, he could be serious too. But and, and it's interesting that a lot of times I would parallel when watching this. He did remind me sometimes of Tom Baker in the sense of going from that manic, happy face to really serious, really, really quick. So. <laughs> I, 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 but 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 to what Clarence said, you know, did you not know what you're getting into? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's in the script. It's yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I I just think this is him. Thirteen years later, trying to make excuses. Seriously, yeah. just yeah. I just think he was he was difficult to work with, and people didn't like him. And he's saying, you know, there was a bad atmosphere on the set. Well, yeah, there was. It was you. you. <laughs> it was you. But you know, people don't and, and, do that. But I wasn't there, you know, either. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just. Uh, but uh, well, well, Lee, I, 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 I've just got to say this. I mean, regardless of how many web plays you've written, regardless <laughs> of how many, um, you know, radio dramas you've written or produced or classes that you've taught or plays that you've written and keep going and going and going and books you've written too, you are not as very, very experienced, possibly the most experienced on it yeah. like he was. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You're ne- you're never going to hear that stuff from me. So, yeah. so sorry. You just can't compete with Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yikes. <laughs> and, and I feel like what makes it even more puzzling is that he's genuinely good in the comedic moments. Like Lee just mentioned, the moments at the table when he catches the dart, uh, sprays the cologne slash perfume on the breath. Those are really funny moments. The banter he had at the beginning with Jack Harkness, they had a yes. little flirtation going. Right. It's genuinely funny. So, so funny. It puzzles me that that there was this tension um, around him being comedic. And, you know, again, just an unfortunate. It is. It's really sad. So I'm going to make a, a hypothesis really, really quick before we get back to wrap up about Margaret. And 
and, and I have no facts other than just hearing our own selves talk and reading stuff over the years. But if you look at how this was written and, and the way it came across, the way we've talked about it, what if it were said by one of these executives that he didn't all of a sudden hit it off with in the first block of recording, nonetheless, that maybe they someone made a comment about this other actor that they would have loved to have had had this actor been available who didn't have all of the credentials that he did. And perhaps that was what sent him on his, uh, you know, rant and then ultimately yeah. leave. And then not only does that person that they wanted that wasn't available become available, stays on there and becomes even more popular, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just speculation. Yeah, and those, those those kinds of things do happen. Somebody will, you know, there will be somebody on, on, a, on a big shoot who will pull you aside and say, you know, they wanted David Tennant, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, 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 there will oh, be that guy, you know. And I will forever be mad. After that, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it kind of puts yeah. the little no turning back. history and, and the things that he's said into context. That kind of makes that, that it kind does. of explains the bitterness a little bit. Yeah. Perhaps. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. then he, then he is Shaquille O'Neal saying, who is this child? Right. <laughs> you know, who's out here Transference with me? Transference to Billy Piper. <laughs> right. He's transferring, you know, who's this, you know, kid actor? Uh, tenant, he's transferring the comments to Billy Piper that he wished or that he didn't say about tenant. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? That's right. Who know. knows? Who knows? knows. But uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Mm. So back to Margaret real quick. Ultimately, she's trying to open the rift that we find that will become central to Torchwood later to yes. yeah. surf, not, not fly, not teleport surf out of uh the galaxy which i think was really really corny (laughs) (laughs) yes but um all of us who are fans of um, marvel comics have to admit that surfing through the galaxy is pretty awesome so yeah but um (laughs) but i did kind of wish we'd gotten to see her doing it um that, that's Annette Badland, by the way, uh, playing playing Margaret. And, and, you know, as much as we may dislike the Slovene, I really like her. She's, she's she good. also she's really good. She's also yeah. really she's also really funny and genuinely scary and really touching in this. Yes. Too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what did you guys think? And Clarence, I'll let you take this one first. What did you guys think of the whole conversation she was having about herself being you know, the person that if they take her home, you're taking me to my execution. So what did you guys think about that? And if you were the companion, could you have taken her back? So Clarence, I'll let you, like I said, take that one first. Again, I think we briefly mentioned it up top. It's just an ultimate, ultimate moral dilemma. Um, and do you really want to send someone to their death? And I know, Cal, I know you're a big Walking Dead fan now. And there's oftentimes this, a similar dilemma on that show to where, you know, do you want to be the reason someone dies for what reason, for one thing or another? But it happens a lot. And you see it in a lot of shows where you have this dilemma of this person dying. And and are, can you be the one to initiate or get make that ball start to roll? And so I really I really thought it was an interesting play. 
I didn't really know how the doctor would react to that. And I guess we still don't ultimately know um, because the, the the plan to take her back, I guess, was was thwarted by uh, her ultimate villainy and scheming <laughs> with the pandemensional surfboard. So, you know, I thought it was very interesting. It made for very interesting dynamics of where we see the doctor is almost the bad guy because, you know, he wouldn't dare send this woman off to her death, even though she ultimately is a bad person. Good point. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, in both of these stories, she is unrepentant about the fact that she plans to destroy the Earth uh, yeah. once so she can sell it. The other time is just to, to get away. And, um, yeah, but but that, I love that little little vignette, that little moment where she's, she asks them, which of you can look me in the eye? And none of them, including the doctor, can do it. Um, yeah. I just thought that was that was brilliantly done. Very, uh, and, and it does seem to me, if I understand Russell T. Davies, that this is – that's really the the reason for this episode is is to have that moment. Um, it is interesting, though, isn't it? That that everybody gets off the hook sort of by accident in the end. That yeah, um, nobody nobody is responsible for her becoming getting a second chance at life. It just happens. True, true. Um, well, actually, I, I'm going to correct you. Yes, someone was responsible. Idris. Well, the TARDIS. Yeah. Yeah, the TARDIS. Yeah, maybe so. Um, and fans of the classic series will remember um, uh, Tom Baker and uh, a fourth Doctor and Romana adventure called the Leisure Hive, which has the same happy ending. So, um, but <laughs> you know, it's okay. It worked in Leisure Hive, and it works here too. Second yeah. chances. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that that notion of second ch- chances and. You know, if you were anti-death penalty, you would think the the best form to uh, get this person back to a civil place would be to rehabilitate them somehow. And we see where basically the TARDIS taking, you know, this person back to this egg form was the form of rehabilitation that was chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, if we all could do that, that's better than death, right? Wouldn't it be? Yeah. In a perfect world. And yeah, and isn't there a horrible moment where we think that we're actually going to go to Raxacorcophallopatorius <laughs> in oh. the episode and, and see the whole planet? But oh my oh, god, I'm so glad we didn't. Thank we goodness. didn't. Yes, <laughs> it didn't happen. That would have been a, sanot- a a death of sanity penalty for us as the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 a brilliant part of this episode at the end was how. It opened up the question without even asking it of nurture versus nature for her, mm-hmm. because we leave her knowing that she is an egg and they, they're talking about putting her with another family. And they even comment on, well, you know, she's bad. And I think the doctor says, but it's her choice. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, so, that's right. Yeah. So then whole, you know, can people change nurture versus nature? All of that just kind of was summed yeah. up in, in, in this uh, ending that they had. That's right. So any other questions or comments or uh, observations that either of you have before we give our final rating? Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I'll mention the um, – you know, this is one of the big things I still have with Doctor Who that I don't really get. And even the doctor just kind of brushes over it. 
But it was brought up about why the TARDIS is is still looks like a police box. You know, <laughs> I've asked Cal this question many times and it it just doesn't really make any sense. The doctor says he likes it, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that it was brought up in this episode. But yet again, the doctor just kind of brushes over it like it's OK. You know, I'm, I really don't get that. And also they made the statement at the end that the police box is really used like a police box, which I thought was really funny. That's true. For once. Yeah. 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 So, so Lee, what is your take on the broken community? I mean, I, I know why in the beginning that, you know, it was, it was a prop and they didn't have to, you know, keep finding new props to make it look like, I mean, I got that, but, right. but in story, wh- why do you yeah. think he hasn't fixed it? And now it is the icon of the show, but yeah, I, I, I really, I really do buy the expectation that he, he he's going to keep it that way because he likes it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that, I don't have a problem with that at all. That I mean, it's it's been a thousand years, right? You know, of course he's become attached to it. Um, but I yeah. wanted to see, I wanted to see if I could find this quote, and I, I thought because I thought this was great too, and it's very Douglas Adams. Um, when Mickey challenges about the fact that there aren't any police boxes anymore. And there's actually still two. Uh, the doctor says, Ricky, let me, Ricky. <laughs> I'd forgotten oh, he called him Ricky. This, Ricky, let me tell you something about the human race. You put a mysterious blue box slap bang in the middle of the town. What do they do? Walk past it. Now stop your nagging. Let's go and explore. And he's perfectly right. Um, yeah. and it, <laughs> that's true. We, we don't. Things, things are visual wallpaper to us for the most part. We, 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 we look, glance over our shoulder at things and go, What's that? And the next instant we've forgotten it. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's how that would work. Um, in the, one of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, uh, where explained that there is this technology called the SEP field that you can snap onto things and make them invisible. SEP stands for somebody else's problem. <laughs> and, and it's, re- it's really true. I mean, <laughs> as long as it isn't a personal concern of yours, you don't see it. Yeah. It, uh, and- and I will add that they, they do take care to when they go in the past. Most of the time they go in the past and go into the future. It's not out in the open. That is uh, true. Yeah. You know, most of the times you see it out in the open is when they're close to present day. So, yeah. yeah. Or when it's Good in point. the middle of the desert or something. Yeah. 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 Or in the middle of a cornfield like it yeah. was in yeah. the, the, exactly. the yeah. doctor. But still, it was kind <laughs> of with, with the cornfield or wheat field or whatever. It was kind of, you know, hidden in the wheat. To some degree, that was beautiful. Yeah, very mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, that was a nice picture. Yeah, very, very. Uh, pretty. Speaking of which, of course, I just love this episode because we spend so much time there in the the Roald Dahl Plaza, and uh, <laughs> and 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 I've been there, man. And that's that's um, yeah. I just wish we could all go there. I could take you by the hand, and we could jump in the TARDIS and go see it because it, yeah. that the, the Millennium Center that is a beautiful, beautiful building. It just it takes your breath away. Yeah, but see, I want to go to the rift so that I can soak up temporal energies so that maybe, you know, just by chance, lightning could happen or something and it would like charge the temporal energy with regeneration <laughs> energy and then I would get a regeneration cycle. Yes. Right. Open well, up I, this car. Yeah. I, I, I was there for a whole day, so I'm hoping that I, I, I drew some <laughs> of it into myself. I, yeah. 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 But – the, the, on that same trip, I also uh, drank a little of the local water at uh, Stratford on Avon, and I'm hoping that that's where Shakespeare's brilliant playwriting ah. skills came from. So, yeah, maybe it's in the water. Maybe it's in the water. But, yeah. uh, but, but I would say, you know, if I've been 
told that if I were a comic book character, that I would be <laughs> Doctor Doom. But we will get that. We'll get into that uh, another yeah. day on another show. But what that we, troubles me because I've been told the same thing. So, <laughs> so, so you, you and I would then be dueling over who got to be Doctor Doom. Which is that's even worse. It could be the Council of Dooms. That's it. So, um, let's get into before we doom each other. Uh, let's uh, get into the final ratings. So, Clarence, one to five. What do you give it? I will give it a three point nine. 3.9. Um, it's hard to give any Sadine episode a high rating, but I do admit uh, this was a very, I'm not going to say thoughtful, It the moral dilemma I found to be very interesting. And, you know, I think we also got something pretty good to see uh, Mickey slash Ricky and Rose um, have this, this I'm not going to say come to Jesus moment, but they definitely... Uh, had their little spat there, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. So, yeah, 3.9. Okay. Mr. Shackelford, what say ye? I'm going to give it a four and kind of the same thing. Uh, isn't it amazing? We're talking about an episode with the Slovene in it, and we're giving a 3.9 and a four. <laughs> but, but there we are. Um, it is. It's, it really works well. I love the comedy in this episode. Um, and um, Captain Jack is not – you could say is not particularly well used in this. He's just sort of there, but he does have useful information. And, um, um, so he's not wasted. It's just funny that there isn't more for him to do in this, but you know, yeah, still, but yeah, that's a, I'll give it a four. Okay. So I'm going to stand firmly in the middle of the two of you <laughs> and say it is a 3.95. So, uh, <laughs> just enough to be there in the middle for the same reasons that both of you said brilliantly, um, you know, it was Slitheen. So that immediately takes at least a point off of it. So <laughs> right. um, for everything else that the, the two of you said, I'm going to say 3.95. So that's mine. Terrific. Will we ever see them again? That's the real question. I hope not in Doctor Who proper. They were in an episode or maybe not the Slitheen proper, but but. One of the, you know, aliens. Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, in yeah. Sarah Jane. Yeah. They were all over Sarah Jane. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Oh, it was not, it was not the Slovene family. It was another group from Rexacorva Falpatoris, like it matters. But yeah. 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 They still look, and actually it was the baby Slovene, wasn't it? Or there was, oh, one. that's right. I think you're right. Ooh, so, I haven't seen those since they aired. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So anything else that you guys have before we close? Nothing leaps to my mind. All right. Mr. Brown, what about you? Nothing at all. Glad to be on. Glad to be on and actually glad to be on with the both of you. This has been fun. And for anyone listening, we were glad and are glad and will remain glad that you <laughs> have listened with us. We hope you have subscribed to the show. And as one more reminder, go check us out on YouTube at youtube.discussingwho.com. And as you're watching the videos, please don't forget to subscribe. So thank you again for listening, and we will be back next time. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000. 
thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices. Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.